0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Game Over Winnipeg. As always, I am one of your hosts, Liss, and I am so happy to be joined by my wonderful friend Connor here today to talk about this super fun Winnipeg Jets win that we're going to be talking about today. Connor, how are you doing? How are you feeling about that one?
1: It was... I I said to you before we got on, the first period was a little shaky, but there was definitely no shortage of storylines from the second period on, so I'm excited. Uh, First time, thanks for having me back on Game Over. This season, I was on last season, but yeah, excited to be back.
0: Yeah, we had Connor on last year for some random game in the middle of the fall, and we had him on for the playoffs. It was a great time. Um, But you've had a couple developments in your life since then in the hockey world. You got a couple new jobs, a couple new gigs. You're everywhere. Tell everybody what you've been up to.
1: Yes, so I'm continuing my writing at the Hockey Writers. That hasn't changed, but... The new gigs, I am credentialed to cover the Jets this year. I covered the Moose last year, so a little bit, a, a step up in my coverage. And then um, if you follow me on Twitter, you've seen it. But I am working for Winnipeg Sports Talk, doing my own show for them, doing some stuff behind the scenes. Um, if you haven't heard of Winnipeg Sports Talk, go check them out. But yeah, I'm doing content for them, and it's been a super fun start to the year so far.
0: Yeah, so we're we're joined by a local celebrity today to talk about at least a good one okay, now whoa. that we're able. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> at least we got something good to talk about today. So um, let's talk, just to start off, just because just we have to, because we're covering 60 minutes here. Let's talk a little bit about that first period, and then we're going to move on. So um, what are your early thoughts on kind of what was not going super right for the Winnipeg Jets early on uh, that changed for them later in the game?
1: That first period was was really tough to watch. I mentioned it to you before and uh, at the start of the show that there were no storylines. I was worried that we would have nothing to talk about and the Jets would just sleepwalk through a 3-1 loss to the Coyotes, but it changed. Uh, but that first period, it's just transition. Arizona's good in transition. Uh, Cheryl Pounder on the intermission mentioned it. Uh, it was a big factor. The Jets could not hang with their speed in transition to start the game. I think they only had three or four shots in the first period. So just a slow start. Um, afternoon game, I don't know if that had anything to do with it, but yeah, just just a uneventful start.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, things picked up a little bit uh, into the second and third period. And I think um, one one of the things that uh, I found was kind of apparent up front uh, was kind of the momentum that was built by that third line that we've been talking about for weeks on end, just by uh, what they've been able to do. Um, three, of course, amazing goals from that line, all from the same individual, which was uh, super fun to see. Yeah. Um, but what do you like about them, Connor? Like what exactly were they doing that you thought was the reason that they helped bring that momentum up for the entire team and were able to be so effective against the Yotes.
1: Yeah, so the physicality from the start, I mean, that line is, the physicality is kind of their MO. is a huge player. Lowry's huge. And they just, it's so cliche, but they get pucks deep, you know. Uh, Niederreiter actually said that in the first intermission, which I found really funny. It's such a funny cliche to me. I don't know why. But they do it, and they do it at a high level. And Mason Appleton, I said last week's kind of, going under the radar on that line. Like Lowry's had offensive flashes a little bit last year. He had the massive goal drought, but he was on and off. Niederreiter's the most consistent goal scorer in the league or one of 20, 20 goals every year from him. But Appleton having eight points um, to start the year here is just totally. I did not see that coming. And from the start of the game, they brought the energy. The other lines weren't. I tweeted at the end of the first um, play that line more because they're the only ones really bringing the energy. And it carried through and they got the production followed, to say the least.
0: A hundred percent. And I actually, it's so funny. Some of the notes that I take uh, during the games are just incomprehensible. And I'm so glad it's only I that has to look at them. But um, one of the things that I wrote down, I need to find uh, word for word. Mason Appleton hater era may be over is what I wrote, because I've been kind of hard on this player uh, for for a long time, as have a lot of people, and part of it was really, you know, not his fault. There have been a couple situations where it's, you know, oh, playing in the top six when Shifley and Connor are also not playing well, what the hell is he supposed to do? Like, you know, it's been a victim of circumstance in a couple situations, and since his reunion with that third line, I think he's been quite excellent, Uh, and I just loved the way um, that he was playing in the neutral zone today and and at the top, uh, you know, coming in um, on Arizona in particular I think it's so funny and, and you always feel it's kind of a double-edged sword when you're watching a game and then you hear the broadcasters say something that you thought was an original thought because you're like, oh, damn and now it sounds like I'm copying them when I talk about this after the game. But then it's also like, okay, good, I'm not wrong or stupid for thinking this. Right. Um, and Cheryl Pounder was the first one to sort of bring it up with, with the way um, Arizona is very set uh, in, in their defense. And the 1-1-3, I feel like, is not something that I see super frequently from a lot of teams. I feel like the 1-2-2, the 1-3-1 are a little bit more common. And, and Arizona, I feel like really anchored back on their three defenders when, when the Winnipeg Jets were coming up the ice. And I thought that Mason Appleton in particular did a pretty good job of managing the one middle player because the three had fallen back so much that he wasn't just dumping the pucks in right away. He had a little bit more time because of the space that was created. And had he been dumping it as much as that line typically does, I think they would have had more trouble retrieving the pucks because of the three deep defenders. But I think that that was part of the reason that the Jets were successful today. And at five on five, I think they were able to to manage Arizona's defense pretty well
1: yeah I totally agree with what you're saying that's that's way more than I uh knew about like neutral zone coverages and all that so great work that I learned something right there so um <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, go ahead
0: yeah, no, no, I was gonna say I just think it's so funny like i I remembered there was one particular game last year against the Washington Capitals that I was one of my first ever solo shows, and I was so nervous and Washington was playing this one 3 one defense that i I genuinely mm-hmm. thought that it was like I was at like a clinic or something learning. What a defensive system was because they were so so rigid and set in it. And I was like, oh thank God I have something to talk about because they were very like blatant with that sort of stuff. And now I, I sort of try mm-hmm. and watch for it because it's always like a nice thing to hang back on. But I think that that was one thing that the the Jets managed to do pretty well today. And there was one Nikolai Ehlers, the the, the I want to say the Sean Jersey penalty where it was the same sort of thing where Nikolai Ehlers was just coming up with so much speed because there was only one or like one defender per. Like line, quote-unquote, to get through. And I thought that his Mm -hmm. ability to break through the neutral ice um, with speed was really beneficial today. And I think that it was part of the reason that that third, or pardon me, second line um, looked better to me than they did last game. What did you think about that second line with, with Ehlers, Perfetti, and Mestikov?
1: Yeah, I think Ehlers especially, he's been slow out of the gate. I mean, he missed preseason. That's kind of expected. But Perfetti and Mestikov have been consistent so far this year but when Ehlers is going and he's getting going he's getting back to the Ehlers we know that line is going to get a lot better they're going to uh, score a lot more goals they're going to generate a lot of chances and this game was no different that play that you mentioned on Dersey he chips the puck and goes to go around him Dersey hits him two seconds after the puck is gone draws a penalty and then on the power play where I think Nikolai Ehlers was his best today that second unit uh, was out it was incredible and that pass to Nino Niederreiter for Niederreiter's second goal of the game was really nice from Ealers. There was the one power play early in the game that the first line or the first unit was out there for a minute and then the second unit came out for a minute and it was just two completely different like uh, momentum swings because the first unit doing nothing couldn't really get set up. Then the second unit comes out and Ehlers from the left wall is just making things happen. Uh, I think you'll see that second unit start power plays more often in the future and I think that second line like you said was better at five on five and it's because Nikolai Ehlers is slowly getting back to the player that we know he is
0: yeah, hundred percent. Let's let's talk a little bit about those power plays too, and I think we'll we'll talk about them kind of beat around the bush just a little bit, and then we can talk about Nino Niederreiter because I really do want to talk about it today. <laughs> but uh, the power play right. was something that, and, and special teams in general, there was that one penalty. I want to say it was the Lawson Krauss goal that he scored with like I don't know two seconds left or whatever on the power play for the Oats I thought that they had a nice penalty kill on that one. Like there were a couple things Neil Pionk I thought was quite excellent. Like there were a couple players that I just really liked the way they managed that penalty kill and then it's like I'll throw it out the window because you you give up a goal in the last couple seconds but I thought in general their special teams looked better today and that's I don't want to say they looked good (laughs) because the power play um you know better could still mean bad because of how terrible it's been but I think it looked better even the first unit there there were some moments for them well what did you think
1: yeah, the penalty kill and the power play has been a real like the the power play has been so bad up until this point. Well, they're, they're starting to get a little bit better. They're still not great, but it's been so bad and such a storyline that the penalty kill has kind of flown under the radar as being bad as well. Like the, the penalty kill is bottom five in the league going into the Vegas game on Thursday. And then, yeah, they, they get scored on. I, I did like that kill where Cross, uh, Lawson Kraus scored. Like you said, uh, there are a lot of things to like about the penalty kill. Um, but some of it is, you know, Hellebeck is leaking some rebounds right now. That's bound to change. He doesn't usually give up as many. That loss in Crossman was a seam pass and then it goes off his pad right into the slot. Um, Nate Schmidt almost clears it, but can't. But like you said, I liked a lot of the penalty killing in this game. And the power play looked a little bit better. Like the the Jets have been a great team at five on five. I've been saying this this whole time. The stats back it up. They've been a great team uh, through 10, 11 games at five on five. And if they can keep that going and slowly bring along the power play and penalty kill, you're going to see them start racking up wins, especially against teams like Arizona. They get St. Louis on Tuesday and then Nashville on Thursday. Those are teams that if you outplay them five on five and special teams is a draw and you have Connor Hellebuck in net, you should win. Uh, and the special teams units are slowly coming along. It is Arizona. Arizona's had a good start, uh, but their penalty kill was also like bottom five. So I want to see the Jets do it against a a good team uh, with the man advantage and on the penalty kill.
0: Yeah, 100%. And I think um, you, you make a really good point about that because that's actually one thing that I I was talking a little bit about last game with Nick, where we, we jump on and, you know, you, you really want to talk about the game and pretend you have this big holistic perspective and all those kinds of things. And, and it's... It's the outliers that are making and breaking these games for the Winnipeg Jets. It is the those special teams and then some of those just crazy decisions they make every now and then. Case in point is that one Mark Shifley pass that he made from his own goal line right onto the tape of whoever it was that scored, right? right. Where it's like, it just seems to erase all of the other good things that are going on. And the small, minute details that are, you know, decent or okay are just so overshadowed by isolated plays. So I think if you can trim down those outliers a little bit like you like you said it's really going to show that they're playing pretty good hockey at 5 on 5 it's not like it's anything like crazy exciting like we want to talk about the goals and the big hits and all those kinds of things um they're playing good just like at a very solid level so i think That's the sort of thing that, um, like you said it perfectly, against teams like Arizona, it helps win the games when they don't have those outliers that are taking advantage of yours. Uh, And as the Jets fix their penalty kill and power play, because I'm sure they will, and I know you probably think so too. I don't think you're going to be seeing them going one for 20 or whatever it is for the rest of the season on those things. So um, I I feel pretty good about this hockey team. And I think uh, one thing that changed a little bit of how they played at five on five and special teams to me today was um how their second pairing was playing. Uh talk talk a little bit about what we saw from noted sniper Brendan Dillon today. <laughs> um and his defense partner Neil Pionk, who had a sneaky good game. I while yes. you talk about this, I'm gonna pull up hockey stat cards. I don't know if it's come out from the game yet, but I really wanna see if I, if I'm onto something here. <laughs>
1: yeah hockey stat cards always humbles me so i, I definitely want to see that too because i think someone had a good game or someone had an awful game and then their their analytics are completely opposite of what i think but that's okay second don't worry. Pairing, we know
0: everything we're good we're right <laughs> yeah no, we're, we're, right. we're experts yeah
1: we're experts <laughs> <laughs> um the brendan Dillon two goals so the first goal kind of a seam pass where he just kind of shoots it like Vejmelka probably should have saved it um but that second goal. Oh my goodness. I I was gen, genuinely floored and my jaw was on the floor when he scored that. Unscreened, goalie comes out to like comes out to challenge the shot. He's not deep in his net, nothing like that. And it goes posting in and the goalie even looks kind of to the boards as if like he thought it went posting out. Um and that was just like an unbelievable shot from a guy who hasn't really scored that much in his career and you you weren't expecting that. You you'd expect that from a Josh Morrissey. Coming down the wing, going post and in over the blocker, but yeah, Brendan Dillon, legacy game. Like no what, what? What? Where did? Where did that come from? That's, yeah, the Josh
0: you. Morrissey comparison is funny because I feel like I can specifically remember Josh Morrissey scoring a few, uh, scoring a few of those exact same goals in, in previous years, and there was just such a nice sequence of moves on that. I remember it was Neil Pionk's management of the blue line in the neutral zone the puck had sort of come out and he managed the clear and put it right back in and minnesota or minnesota where am i going with this irrelevant teams maybe i don't know where i'm going yeah (laughs) i guess um i uh it, it was the way that arizona hadn't quite set back up yet and so Neil Pionk sort of comes in on the line and they have some space so then he passes it to whoever Lowry or Appleton whoever was first and then yeah that that perfect pass and he was just wide open because that defense had clung a little bit to that far side it was just textbook gorgeous and just so hilarious that it was the second goal of the game when even that first goal he was just like over the moon, so excited, because yeah. it's like, oh my goodness, first goal, and what, I can't remember what Kevin Soros said, 30, 31 games or something like that, and yeah. I'll make it two, make it two, I, I want to say yeah. Dylan DeMello had a game like that last season, where I was like, he hadn't scored in so long, and then he scored, like, two in a game, it's like, of course, why yeah. not, why not?
1: Yeah, yeah, it was that, that was, yeah, because you, you hit, on the on the head there because that first goal he's kind of just like whoa and even he was shocked and he's like i scored i finally scored and then that second one he just looks as confident as josh morrissey does coming down the wing and just rips it posting in it's like you'd think that's a guy who is like a 60 point defenseman and, and is on the top power play but that first goal was kind of like okay we'll shake that off now we'll go score a real goal and make it look really nice and uh yeah a great game from neil pionk you mentioned it uh, a lot of plays that led to brendan Dillon scoring those goals, uh, that third line, the Lowry line and the Dylan Pionk pairing is often out there as a five-man unit. And they obviously need gets the hat trick. Dylan scores the two goals that five man unit dominated this game and ultimately won the game for the jets because, oh, um, they didn't, they didn't really get enough from, from the top forward line at least yeah
0: no, know 100% and I think there was even one play where I can't remember what it was it might have been on the penalty it was on that penalty heel that I liked where Neil Pionk just had this perfect hit at the bottom corner and sometimes I get stressed when players hit because I'm like you just took yourself out of the play for absolutely no reason but it was just like such a perfectly timed one I'm like that's why hitting isn't hockey like what an effective usage <laughs> of the ability to do that and I think uh we also do have to talk about some of the the conversation that's been around him in the last couple days as well yes. um absolutely devastating quotes that came out yesterday. Um, I believe it's Mike McIntyre with the Free Press who had a conversation uh, with Neil Pionk about this. and And, you know, it's the kind of thing that is so heartbreaking and upsetting and you almost feel a little bit of a sense of fan guilt when you had no idea a player was going through this mm-hmm. um for those of you who didn't know that uh, adam johnson uh the player who tragically passed away um in a european hockey game just last week uh was uh a groomsman in in neil Pionk's wedding last week um and there's a goal i can't remember who it was that i was talking to um that was saying that there there's a goal from when und won some fun college uh it was either playoffs or a tournament or something like that is an overtime goal against McAvoy uh, when he was with BU and, and the goal is Adam Johnson from Neil Pionk and Alex Ayafalo and it's just it's heartbreaking uh, especially when it's yeah. you know someone so young so close to you but also when it happens playing the game that you love and that was like a common denominator in your relationship I just I can't even imagine uh, what he's going through right now and you know we we send all of our love to to all of these Minnesotan players all of these players who are affected by this and and you know we see Neil Pionk wearing a neck guard I'm sure it's an honor of his friend and and you know hoping for the best um as as he recovers Mm -hmm. from you know trying to manage just an awful situation that you never want to see anyone being a part of
1: yeah i i totally agree and on top of all of those things how heartbreaking it must be for him we can't imagine what he's going through to have the game that he did today um again in the grand scheme of life and what he's going through probably didn't mean too much but from a winnipeg jets perspective um, he's grieving. He's playing emotionally hurt, and he had an incredible game. Him and Brendan Dillon and dominated this game. They were the best pairing. And just yeah, absolutely heartbreaking for Neil Pionk. But to put the performance forward that he did going through what he's going through is just all the respect to Pionk and all the players that the Jets are reportedly chartering to um to Adam Johnson's funeral and celebration of life over the next two days. Class act move by the Jets organization. Great, great stuff from them, um, and yeah, just great performance from Pionk, especially given what he's going through.
0: Hundred percent, couldn't have said it better. And I think uh, we, you, you were saying that uh, that that pairing often plays with that line that we've talked a little bit about that every Jets fan has been talking about for for quite some time now. But I feel like we talked about Mason Appleton. We briefly talk- we got to talk a little bit more about Nino Niederreiter after. Come on, that yeah. hat trick! What is it? <laughs> second of his career only, and our, our our special little guy Nino Niederreiter that I know uh, a couple of Jets fans are now more than ever looking to the ownership group and the management team and saying, "Hey, pending UFA, please not anymore." Um, tell me a little bit about what you thought <laughs> of that player and some of the fun stuff that we saw coming off of his stick tonight.
1: Yeah, Nino Niederreiter is just. A model of consistency. I mean, I said it before he scores 20 goals almost every year. He's in the league. He's on pace to do it again, especially after a hat trick, those numbers are going to be a bit inflated, but he is the ultimate Swiss army knife. Um, and he can play anywhere in the lineup, like top line, second line, third line doesn't matter. He's going to perform and he's going to score goals. Uh, and he was a big reason why that second power play unit looked better than the first one. He's, you know, making things happen in front of the net. That's a big thing, getting shots to the net and having someone there to screen the goalie for a rebound. Whatever the case may be, Nino Niederreiter is that guy. uh, And he can just do everything on the ice. He's responsible defensively. He's got a crazy release. Um, He didn't need much of a, like, shooting touch today because he got the deflection goal and then his hat trick goal. He tapped it over the line, uh, which was actually pretty funny from the bird's eye view. But yeah, just a fantastic performance. And he's he has kind of unlocked that line. We've seen Lowry and Appleton together before, but we haven't seen them work this well together before. And I think it's largely because of Nino Niederreiter. And obviously Appleton's having a bounce back year and Lowry looks motivated with the, the, the C on his chest. But I think Nino Niederreiter is the X factor on that line. And he was the X factor in this game.
0: 100%. And I think uh, he he's what's brought that line to... The next level, um, but they were fine before when they had Alex Ayafalo. I thought Alex Ayafalo was really excellent on that line um, when when he first joined them. But now, yeah. where did he go? Where did he go? <laughs> let's yeah. let's talk a little bit about that first line, and and maybe it's just that Mark Shifley and Cal Connor are almost black holes when it comes to their actual offensive production. They they when you look at kind of the overall sample, they're not playing like, terrible hockey by any means. They're, they're playing fine, but fine's not enough. And talk about what you saw from that line that you think is maybe leading to them not scoring as much as they probably would like or not having as strong of an impact in the game as they might like to.
1: Yeah, that that first goal from Arizona, I mean, there was a big debate on some tweets that whose fault it was, because Sheifley was the one that was closest on that two-on-one, but if you really watch the play from... Behind Kyle Connors the high forward, and he really should be the one that's in Shifley's position and making that play and covering for the defenseman. I I just think it's it's all around. Shifley, the first couple games of the year, we heard all about this, you know, defensive resurgence. He looks motivated, and those things are true. It looks better. He he looks like he's making more plays in the defensive zone and he's back checking harder, but the stats don't really agree with that, at least so far. And these last couple games against Vegas, against Arizona um, a team that you should dominate the expected goals, all these fancy stats and and the defensive stats that you're putting up that you can control. You should be dominating and they're not, uh, especially with an Alex Iafalo on your line. Who's a two way beast. He can kill penalties on the top power play. Like he does it all as well. And I just, I don't know if Velarde was the perfect fit and, you know they were together through training camp and now Velarde's hurt and they're trying to reestablish chemistry with a new player and IFL is trying to establish chemistry with these new two two players and it's just not going well? Or is this just what they're going to be going forward, which is a line that can produce offense but ultimately gives up more at the other end? I don't know what the real top line is, but um, when you have the third line playing this good, everyone can just kind of forget about it. But that top line with Connor and Shafley is definitely a concern. And it's something, you know, a conversation that I don't think happens enough. At least um, I guess I can pin it on myself in media circles is like the splitting up potentially of Shifley and Connor. I don't know what your thoughts are on that um, and whether or not they should explore that early on in the season here, but it's something that I think they should consider given how much they're struggling defensively.
0: Yeah, no, I definitely agree. And I think um, even more than the struggling defensively part is, is also just, the the struggling offensively too. It's like, you know, I could manage them struggling defensively if they're pulling a Leon Draisaitl and being maybe, you know, a player that is getting caved into the zone but scores three goals a game, so who cares sort of thing. Right. And so my my sort of take on this is that it I I really don't want to touch that third line. Firstly because they are playing so excellently right now, but secondly because I don't believe moving any of those players up or promoting them is going to be what fixes that top six or that top line in particular so I don't think it would help more than it would hurt by any means at all I, I'm open to some juggling within the top six as it stands right now because I think that Ehlers will be Ehlers no matter where he goes I'm pretty sure like I, I really don't think that he needs to be propped up by, by others as much as maybe some other players in the top six do and I, I think Perfetti and Mesnikov are kind of similar in the sense that line mates will change their production but they i think they're pretty you get what you get with them players so i could see them still succeeding and being a pretty good line um you yep. know if you were to break them up and move them around but they haven't been excellent they've been good but they haven't mm, been amazing no. so i i'm very open to trying some things out off the top of your head if you were to go kind of off the cuff with what i just said not touching anyone in the bottom 6 and juggling around those players in the top six what do you think your lines would be that you put out next game against st louis
1: i think i'd flip connor and perfetti if i had to make a move just to see what would happen uh because then i i think going i think there's two options here you either move Eilers up and Ia followed down and you go completely offense on the top line. We're just going to outscore you. We don't care how much defense of like chances we give up and Connor Shifley and Ehlers are just going to go do their thing offensively. And that's, that's that they're going to get all the ozone starts, all that like favorable uh, matchups and stuff, all those things. Or you go, you flip Connor and Perfetti. That makes it Perfetti, Shifley, I follow Connor, Nemesikov Ehlers. I think Connor and Ehlers can just kind of cook offensively and Nemesikov can be a a third wheel and kind of a defensively responsible player on that line. And then adding Perfetti to Shifley's wing, along with Ayafalo gives that line even more kind of defensive responsibility. The Jets coaches don't really think so with Perfetti, but the stats say that he's been a good, even strength defender. Uh, So that might change some things as well. And Shifley and Perfetti... You know, they're both like hockey nerds. You see those videos all the time of them talking hockey and practice or whatever, and, and all those things. But I, I don't know if they work stylistically, but I think it'd be worth a look. And it's, it's something that it's so early in the season. And that line is giving up so much defensively that it won't really hurt you in the, in the short term. Now they do have a five game homestand coming up. So maybe they finish this road trip with the current lines, uh, like barring injury, of course, um, and then in the to start the homestand, they give a new look if they're if they're struggling if they lose to St. Louis, uh, or something along those lines. But I think going Perfetti, Scheifele, Follow, Connor, Nemetskov, Ealers might be a different look, and it might balance out the top six even more.
0: Yeah, no, I think uh, it- it'll be interesting to see if if they they make any tweaks on that end or on other ends as well. It brings me into a a second point here that I'm going to move into where uh, Dylan Sandberg had 15 minutes of ice time tonight. And um, where is our other friend here? Nate Schmidt had 17 minutes. So not anything like terribly crazy or anything like that. But all that's to say, um, I thought Josh Morrissey looked pretty good tonight. And we already talked a lot about that second uh, pairing. Uh, And I don't think that Dylan Sandberg and Nate Schmidt were anything to write home about tonight. And that's a good thing for Nate Schmidt because he's yeah. had some rough looks in the last couple of games. Do you think there's a chance that Declan Chisholm comes in um, to to try and, you know, shake some things up in, in that bottom part of the defense core anytime soon?
1: I don't think so. I think, especially if Nate Schmidt keeps playing the way he did today where it was a quiet game from him. You didn't see any big turnovers like the Shifley one for example. Uh, nothing that really stood out and it's turnovers that would force his way out of the lineup uh, if they haven't already kind of brought that conversation up within the Jets, you know, coaching room already uh, because he has struggled to start the year. Um, He knows it. he got healthy scratch for Logan Stanley for that one game uh, and he could get healthy scratched again if it keeps up. And then I think Declan Chisholm, I don't think the Jets were overly impressed with Logan Stanley's first game. Obviously he went right back to going in the press box. He hasn't been back yet. Uh, I think if Nate Schmidt were to be scratched again and he had another rough game with three or four really costly turnovers, I think Chisholm would be the guy to come in uh, and give him a look. I'd like to see it just to see like Declan Chisholm. He obviously earned a spot uh, over Kyle Capabianco. Uh, So it's, it's a matter of let's see what we've got here from a guy who was an AHL all-star last year came into training camp and won a spot uh, all those things. And it's, it's a conversation that I think has been quieted for now. there was a a stretch there, the first four or five games, where it was it was a big conversation. Then he got scratched, and it was it was in full flight that conversation. But I think for now, his spot is safe. Having said that, if he has another game in the next two or three with a bunch of turnovers, uh, you, he could be right back in the press box.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think uh, it's really important to to sort of look. At how early the Jets are in the season and understand that, you know, if there are certain things that you're worried about, like an underlying nagging, you know, numb, dull pain, you can address it now and it's not going to hurt you as much in the long run. So it'll be interesting to see uh, if they do anything there. Um, So before we jump into questions, so for those of you who are listening live in the chat, thank you so much for being here. We appreciate you uh, taking the time out of your, I guess it's into the evening now. My days get all screwed up when there are matinees. It just feels so strange but we're gonna jump into some questions right away uh so keep those throw them into the chat uh, and we're gonna talk about a couple of things that you guys also want to talk about Uh, before we do that just kind of to generally wrap things up um in particular connor what did you see tonight that you really want to make sure the jets bring into next game um to come home with another win
1: brandon Dillon being the leading defensive scorer no i'm kidding (laughs) um but that third line i think they've been the best line i saw people joking that they are the top line uh, you could honestly argue it at this point, Uh, not in terms of deployment, but in terms of production and how they're playing, you could definitely make that argument that they're the best forward line. And just keeping that rolling. I would, if there was one thing I'd like to see more against St. Louis and Nashville, these next two games coming up is more of the fourth line. I don't know if it was just, they weren't playing as much or I didn't notice them as much in this game. I de- Morgan Barron had a few nice plays, um, but I, I swear in the first period, I just didn't really see Rasmus Kapari or David Gustafson much at all. Um, And we we've talked about the depth. I think that line has been pretty good actually. And Kapari's gotten some pretty good chances to start the year. And Morgan Barron, does he take the leap from last year? He took a semi leap last year. Does he improve off of that? So I just like to see the fourth line kind of get more minutes and have the jets kind of flex their depth even more. And that means less, you know, defensive turnovers opportunities from the top line. Um, Obviously, you still give them the favorable matchups, the top line. You give them the ozone starts and all the things that they're going to excel in. But I'd like to see a little bit more of that fourth line.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I think uh, Rasmus Kapari, I feel like, has kind of quieted down a little bit um in the last couple of games early in the season he was drawing minimum two penalties a game and he was getting these sneaky looks and stuff like that like that that didn't go away so I definitely am on your side and I'd be interested to see them more and just kind of change a little bit of the allocation of ice time in general which uh, leads us into a question we have here in the chat that says uh should we be worried that Lowry is going to use all of uh his allocated offense in the first 40 games like last year um are you worried about this line cooling off and what that means to the entire team if that happens
1: I, it's a great question. I, I am worried about this line cooling off. Like I think Mason Appleton is kind of swinging above his pay grade right now. And what does that look like if he kind of regresses a little bit? Same with Adam Lowry. I mean, he's been great. He looks, I think, even more motivated than than last year, especially now that he's the captain. He's got that extra weight on his shoulders, but I can't help but think that maybe a regression is coming. Because they are playing incredible right now. They they're genuinely, genuinely the, the Jets' best top or best forward line, just period. And it's I don't know if that's gonna stick. Uh and when if if that regression does hit, it's gonna be really interesting because if that top line stays the same, they keep giving up a lot of defensive chances, that second line still hasn't really hit their stride yet, and then the third line cools off. Where's the offense coming from? right uh and suddenly your depth is just kind of out the window so i i am interested to see if they do cool down a bit because these three players haven't really you know put up points to this extent in their career that they are right now uh which likely means a regression is coming but for the time being the jets should just play them 18 plus minutes a night because they're playing great.
0: <laughs> yeah, 100%. The whole idea of riding a hot hand is really important to do. And that's one thing that that's always driven me a little bit crazy about uh, this team in particular, particularly under the regime of the uh, previous coaches that every now and then you'd have a line that's absolutely cooking. And if it wasn't the first line, you would still try and throw that first line out there as much as you possibly could. It's like, no, no, like whoever you got, like yeah. if Nick Shore is having a game, let Nick Shore have a game, you know, so I think it's important to, to find a good balance between, yeah, riding that hot hand and also making sure that there's still ample opportunity for individuals who are kind of on the cusp of maybe uh, unlocking some good offensive upside uh making sure they still get those opportunities and everything so i think that kind of wraps up uh what we got for questions and everything here so um to to finish off the show uh just let everyone know kind of what you've been up to and what sorts of things they can look forward to from you i know you got all kinds of mailbags going on you got some good articles that you put out great shows all those kinds of things Tell everyone, feel free to take up as much time as you want. You have like a million things on the go. So talk about what your favorite ones are and what you are most proud of and what everyone should take a look at.
1: Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, Most recently coming up or the next thing you should be looking for is Monday morning. Every Monday morning going forward, I'm going to be releasing my show, Winnipeg Jets Weekly on the Winnipeg Sports Talk YouTube channel. So stay on the lookout for that. It's been a blast. I've only done it once, but I can't wait to do it again. Going to be recording it tomorrow, posting it Monday. Uh, and then articles, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to write more. I've got my school reading week this week. So trying to, trying to write a lot of articles, especially with, you know, the jets playing a lot of games. i have got a five game homestand coming up. There's a lot of content to be, to be written and, uh, produced with shows. So those are kind of the two things I'm mainly pouring all my resources into right now. So definitely check me out Winnipeg sports talk, YouTube channel and the hockey writers and, uh, on Twitter, Connor rapjack one.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Connor. Uh, I know that the, this matinee was an exciting one for you because you were like, heck yeah! I know you're always yes, at those games when you. they're uh, in person, and you got all these things on the go. So it was wonderful that we we're able to have you today. Um, Brady had um, Connor's podcast co-host Brian on earlier this year. We'll have Elliot on sometime here from Level Flight, one of Connor's shows, uh, and we'll be connecting with all kinds of the same people. Right. This this Winnipeg circle—it's really not that big. How did I forget?
1: A... How did I forget? my podcast what a joke if if brian is watching or elliot is watching they're gonna be so mad at me but yes the Fly podcast as well we rec- we record weekly we released an episode two days ago i don't know how i forgot about it but yeah you I have that many things
0: going on you have that many things also <laughs> yeah. before we sign off uh max in the chat says someone less lazy than me should look up um on ice shooting percentage for the third line i will just say Mason Appleton is rocking a 20% shooting percentage right now. So just Mm. do, do with that Mm. information. (laughs) Uh,
1: It's been a fun one. Brady will be back with you
0: guys on, um, when is the St. Louis game on Tuesday? I believe I'm going to the Shania Twain concert, so I will not be here, but Brady will be. So, and then I'll be back with y'all on Thursday and we'll keep going, having some fun with this hockey team uh, for the rest of the season. So thank you so much, everyone who's here live in the chat. We appreciate you being here. If you're listening back later tonight or tomorrow, thank you so much for being here as well. Um, make sure you stick around uh, for all winnipeg jets games you can get your post game coverage here and if you're ever interested in any of the other canadian teams we also got streams for you on here too so same youtube channel you can always find us here after every single game so connor thank you so much we'll see you on tuesday take care everybody game